like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. We're going to head a bit south today, not so hard considering my home state, Wisconsin, is a bit northern fringe for the USA. We're headed down to Tennessee for a visit with a wonderful songwriter and musician, Rhonda Rucker. Perhaps she is better known as part of the duo Sparky and Rhonda, through which the Ruckers have created eight or nine CDs of both traditional or roots or folk type music and their own original tunes. Both Rhonda and Sparky are steeped in the music and the culture of the southern Appalachian region. Thanks, by the way, to Joel Cranky, one of the longtime principals behind the Shano Folk Festival and hoster of many, many house concerts, for connecting me up with them and other artists. Rhonda Rucker is multi-talented, and it's not surprising that her music is healing balm. After all, she worked for five years as a medical doctor. And now she's writing books like her debut novel, Swing Low, Sweet Harriet. Get ready for some sweet music by Rhonda Rucker, joining us by phone from Eastern Tennessee. Rhonda, thank you so very much for joining me today for Song of the Soul. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Before we got on the air, you were talking about a kind of a warm streak down there in Tennessee. How bad has it been? It's been in the 90s for about 20 days and <laughs> sometimes over 100 yeah, it's been very hot and dry. Did it make you feel like you really wanted to be in Wisconsin at this point? I mean, in <laughs> December, January, it might feel differently, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, it might feel... That's right. And we've, I tell you, we've spent our time in Wisconsin in times like February. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sometimes it's not that fun, but... <laughs> but you know, they, unless you're in a blizzard, they keep the roads clear. And I understand that you are coming up to Wisconsin periodically. We are, yeah. In fact, we've got one thing in November, this coming November in Madison. And then next April, we're, we've got a couple more things up in Wisconsin, La Crosse and Mount Morris, the Black Hawk Society. Yeah, we're looking forward to being up there again. Now, you do a lot of educational-type presentations as well as regular concerts, right? We do, yes. I perform with my husband as a duo, and his name is Sparky Rucker. He's been playing on the folk circuit full-time since the early 70s. So along with a few originals, we play a wide variety of traditional music, traditional American music, like old-time blues, slave songs, Appalachian music, ballads, work songs, spirituals, and then we weave American history and storytelling into our concerts. 
I love a lot of traditional songs because, I mean, they've been filtered down through the generation. People have tweaked them a little here and there until they're really easy to sing. And then I also love looking back at our history because I think it has a lot to say about our present and our future. And so for those reasons, we do a lot of traditional material, but those don't address some of the modern problems, you know, like the environment. And so that's the kind of thing that I find myself writing about. And in your recordings, I saw eight, maybe there's nine that the two of you have put out together. What percentage of that is original music and what percentage is traditional or other people's music? Oh, probably about a fifth of it, I guess, would be original. I mean, we did release one entire CD of originals, but most of the time we include two or three originals on a CD that has other music as well. So mostly traditional. You know, I've looked at the educational programs you have listed on your site, and mostly they are historical in nature, like about the Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, that kind of folk history of the nation. But my sense is that you have a very strong personal feeling about what's called the environment, our relationship to nature, maybe our caring for the earth. Do you tend to write songs more with the purpose, perhaps, of supplementing our folk collections with environmental related songs? I do. I mean, it's not all I have written about, but I love that issue because I think it's so important to us now. In fact, the first song that I was thinking you might play, I'll tell you how it was inspired because it's focused on our environment. We teach at a lot of music camps. In fact, we're doing four this summer. (laughs) But A few years ago, a man at one of these music camps told me a story that really stuck with me. He said they were rafting through the Grand Canyon. You know, the Grand Canyon's in Arizona, arid, you know, it's very hot and dry. It was summer. It's 106 degrees or so every day, I think he said. (laughs) They rode to lunch, then another four hours after lunch, and they were constantly in danger of dehydration. And they had to drink water constantly. They had to jump in the water to cool off. And it made him realize how dependent we were on fresh water and how insulated we are in our daily lives from our simple, most basic needs. That whole story made me think of another issue that's closer to home. There's a river near us in East Tennessee where our home is, the Pigeon River, But it was polluted for many, many years because of discharges from a paper mill that's in this area. Most of the river's native wildlife, you know, the snails, mussels, fish, was completely gone. And in the 1980s, the early 1980s, new regulations were put into place limiting what the companies could dump into the water. And after that, the river quality started improving. Now, it's not back where it should be. Problems still exist, but it's much cleaner than it used to be, to the point that they've been able to reintroduce some of the native fish, and they have actually survived. In fact, one biologist who was being interviewed about the whole project said that he would never have believed it, that beforehand it was pretty much a dead river, And I'd never thought about rivers being alive or dead, but, you know, he's right. I mean, when all of the native flora and fauna are gone, it's a dead river. And, you know, now it's becoming a living river. And so that's where I got that title. And 
I think that was a victory of sorts, and, and we need to tell one another about those victories because sometimes environmental problems can seem so insurmountable. It's so easy to get discouraged. You know, if we lose hope, we've lost everything. But if we remind one another of our successes, we can keep hope alive, hopefully. So this song is called Living River for that reason. And here it is, Living River, written by Rhonda Rucker and performed by Sparky and Rhonda. There's a place high in the mountains Where the cleansing waters flow
your mind, didn't it? The Living River. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Rhonda Rucker wrote it, and she and Sparky performed it. You have chances to see them all across the USA. If you go to their website, sparkyandronda.com, you can track down their schedule. They're coming to Wisconsin, where I happen to live, in November of 2016. I guess next spring they're coming back. They just couldn't stay away. So I'm assuming that Pigeon River, it's not drinkable for people these days yet. Oh, no, no. I don't know of any... (laughs) flowing water that people recommend drinking anymore. It's not back where it needs to be, but it's certainly, like I said, a victory of sorts. Well, you know, I am used to drinking from natural water sources, but not right here by my house in Wisconsin. Uh But a few weeks ago, my wife and I went up to the Boundary Waters. It's called the Boundary Waters Canoeing Area. It's Mm -hmm. wilderness of about a million acres in the northern end of Minnesota, Yeah, you can drink that water. Wow. We do put it through a filter just to be careful, but I've drunk it before. It's no big deal. Uh So that water does exist, but it's kind of hard to find wilderness. What's it like in Tennessee? Well, we're near the Smoky Mountains. I mean, that's a wilderness, and we've got some national forests here too. But it's a small area compared to what it used to be, and it's undeveloped. I actually grew up in Kentucky, but... Now I live in East Tennessee where Sparky grew up. So both of us are at home, you know, in this southern Appalachian area. And actually most at home singing the music from this region. We grew up hearing it. And it, I mean, for me, it just seems like it's embedded in my soul or something like that. It's just so deep down. And when I hear it, it just hits home to me. And the more I have learned that that I've been in doing this for a living, the more I've learned, the more I appreciate this culture from Southern Appalachia. I mean, it's such a beautiful blending of people, the the Native Americans, the African Americans, the Scots-Irish that came over here and settled in the mountains. In fact, the next song that I was singing about having you play I learned from Betty Smith. She's a North Carolina musician. I think she's around 90 years old right now. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I haven't seen her in probably 10 years, but she's a wonderful performer of traditional music. And so I learned this song from her, and it's been popular a long time in white churches in southern Appalachia. But when I started looking into it, I found that there was a researcher, a woman that found some blacks in Trinidad singing the song. And after some digging, she found that black American slaves had been recruited during the War of 1812 to fight on the side of the British. In return, they were promised freedom. But then, of course, they were on the losing side. So to try to keep their promise, the Brits sent them to Trinidad so that they could be free. And then uh, there were some other instances of African-Americans singing this song as well. An article that Harriet Beecher Stowe had published back in the 1860s talked about a Florida congregation, a black congregation, that was singing this song. And then also the Fisk Jubilee Singers recorded it. So even though now it's sung mainly in white churches and not so much in black churches, it's got roots in both 
cultures, and it's called Camp a Little While in the Wilderness. Mothers, are you ready? Ready, already. Mothers, are you ready? Then we'll be going home. We'll camp a little while in the wilderness. In the wilderness, in the wilderness. We'll camp a little while in the wilderness. Then we'll be going home. Then we'll be going home then we'll be going home we're all making ready already then we'll be going home fathers are you Ready already, fathers are you ready, and we'll be going home, we'll camp a little while in the wilderness, in the wilderness, in the wilderness, we'll camp a little while. Southern music there from Sparky and Rhonda Rucker. Rhonda is with us today for Song of the Soul. It's called Camp a Little While in the Wilderness. I was thinking the whole time I'm listening to it, 
Yes, I hear those Southern, maybe Black Baptist kind of notes and music in there. But I'm still trying to figure out what, about camp a little while in the wilderness. Is this like 40 years camping in the wilderness? Is that what it's about? It could be that. You know, it's who knows? I mean, this song was written not by one person. It's a true folk song. So it may even have more than one meaning. And, I mean, also there's the idea about, you know, you're here on this earth for a while. You know, maybe they're calling that the wilderness. And then later, you know, you'll rejoin loved ones and and that kind of thing. So it could be that as well. It could refer back, like you said, the 40 from the Old Testament, you know, idea. Are you a camping type of girl? I mean, I part of it, people maybe don't realize that somehow you became a folk singer. But mm-hmm. in fact, you went all the way through medical school, practiced five years as a doctor, and somehow you left that for the more lucrative pastime of folk music. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm healing people in a different way now, to be honest. I did not like, you know, the daily practice of medicine. When I was actually doing it, I didn't have a clear direction. You know, like when I was in medical school, I was not really enjoying medicine. But, you know, nobody tells you you can be a folk singer when you're growing up. (laughs) (laughs) They were thinking of your best interest. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But, yeah, I do think it's important to do something that you love. And I also think it needs to kind of intersect with the needs of the world or else it's not very meaningful. So, you know, it took me many years to figure out (laughs) what I wanted to do, what I could do. I love music. I also love writing. I've been doing that more lately. Why don't you mention your book, the most recent one? The most recent one is called Swing Low, Sweet Harriet. I've written others since then, and I've got another one that's actually going to be coming out a year from the fall. So Pelican Publishing is bringing out a picture book called Make a Change, and it's based on Sparky's first civil rights demonstration here in Knoxville, Tennessee, when he was a boy. But, yeah, my other one was published by Moats Books in 2013, Swing Low, Sweet Harriet. That was based on an event that happened in South Carolina during the Civil War. It's a historical novel, so it's fiction. Harriet Tubman worked as a spy and a scout for the Union Army during the Civil War, and she helped free over 750 slaves. The slaves down there in those coastal areas were Gullah people. According to Gullah legend, they wrote the song Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, but they didn't originally write it that way. They wrote it originally as Swing Low, Sweet Harriet, they say, to honor Sister Harriet Tubman. In the tradition of writing in code, you know, they had to write. In fact, when we were performing that song down in Beaufort, South Carolina, where all that happened, the people down there were saying, you know, we call this the Lowlands, and that's another, you know, Swing Low. Yeah, and I I had a great time doing the research for that book. I mean, the more I learned about her, the more I respected her courage, her determination. I really think she was an amazing person and right there when people needed her. 
you know, I want to yeah. get to some more of your music real quickly, but first I want to remind our listeners that you are tuned in to Song of the Soul. My guest today is Rhonda Rucker, and she and Sparky Rucker performed together 40, 50 years. There's a lot of music that they've produced and lots of recordings out there. If you go to their website, sparkyandronda.com, you'll find about that. You'll find about Rhonda's books. But this is Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production. On the web, you'll find us at northernspiritradio.org. That's O-R-G, like organic. On that site, you'll find more than 11 years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find place to post comments. Make our communication two-way by posting yours when you visit. There's a place to donate, and this is full-time work. But we fund it because you believe in supporting it. So you can click the donate button when you visit. Even more important, though, than supporting Northern Spirit Radio is to support your local community radio station. Alternative news, alternative music is so important. It becomes so crucial to support your local community radio station because they give a voice to the local folks. Rhonda Rucker is here. We're sharing some of her music. We've only got two songs in so far, but we've got many more to go. So why don't you get us to something else right away, Rhonda? Well, this next one is another one that I wrote. It's called One Earth. I started becoming aware of environmental problems when I was around 10 years old. We moved out into the woods, and I started getting interested in birds and mammals and read a lot, learned about food chains and habitats and all those kinds of things. And I started hearing about DDT and pollution and the pelicans and bald eagles and all those problems. And, and this was probably about maybe 10 years or so after Silent Spring was published. And, of course, nowadays we're f- facing huge problems like loss of habitat and climate change. And one time on our travels we were visiting Glacier National Park and I learned that the area at one time, it had about 150 glaciers. It hadn't really changed when it became a park, but then in 2010, there were only 25 left. Wow. And they thought that some of the largest glaciers would vanish by 2030. You know, glaciers are necessary. I mean, they provide drinking water, they irrigate our crops, they provide hydroelectric power, and in Colorado, I know that there's one glacier that serves as the water source for the city of Boulder, and it's receding, and they think that it'll be gone in about 60 years. I mean, our son might still be alive then, and, and if not, our grandchildren will be. I mean, what are we doing? It, it's just, it's a selfishness that I find appalling. I mean, that seems to me like a kindergarten principle. You know, you don't leave a place looking worse than you found it. You know, I was taught that. We need to remember that we don't own this planet. We're only stewards. I, so I'll, <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> it's a very you good soapbox. It's a great soapbox. So anyway, this one is called One Earth. With Rhonda Rucker's strong piano, it's One Earth, title track of their CD. From the mountain flows like a river, then cools in earth's early morn. Heaven's creation and earth's liberation and unbridled beauty. 
is born Time never ending With a will unbending Passes through perils unknown One earth to cherish And one earth to cling to And one earth to have is our says it so well in that song, One Earth to Cherish. 
and she and Sparky perform so well together. I love the way that your gentle vocals work together. Sometimes it's Sparky out in front. Sometimes Sparky's way in the back there. But you're the mm-hmm. piano. He's the guitar, pretty typically. Is that how it goes? Yeah, he plays some banjo as well. And I play banjo and harmonica, blue style harmonica. And I play bones sometimes, and he plays spoons. Wait, you play uh, you play what sometimes? You beep, right? The, ryth- the rhythmic bones. It's a, one of the oldest instruments on this earth. <laughs> People would use rib bones from an animal, you know, put them back to back and have two pair in each hand. In fact, sometimes we'll do a, at music camps, we teach a class called the minstrel show or t- that focuses on the minstrel show. There used to be one person on one end called Mr. Bones, who played the bones, and the other guy at the other end was called Mr. Tambo because he played the tambourine. <laughs> but, yeah, the bones are much older than that, though, going back to Old Testament times, actually, long time ago. My understanding is that as you got into music, and I don't know if you started right away with Sparky, but your harmonica was your instrument of choice, right? It was, yeah, yeah, harmonica. So did you work your way through medical school, busking, playing harmonica, or how did you do that? No, I did not. I played a little, well, piano is my oldest instrument. I started playing piano when I was about four. But I bought a guitar when I was in high school, and that's kind of what I was doing when I was in medical school, but I was not playing professionally. I would go to festivals and hear it, but I wasn't playing professionally. And I, I didn't even think about it. I had met Sparky when I was in medical school. And at that point, I was listening to a lot of blues. And I listened to Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. Sonny Terry played harmonica. Brownie McGee played guitar. And I, I got to meet Brownie McGee, but not Sonny Terry. He had already died by the time I met Sparky. But he was a huge influence on me anyway, because I listened to so much of his music when I was learning how to play harmonica. I also wanted to ask you about your religious influences, although I'm aware we've got a lot of music I want to cram in in this last section of the program. You do a fair amount of music with gospel or other religious overtones. You come from Tennessee or Kentucky, you know, you have to be religious, I understand. (laughs) Uh, I guess you could say that. (laughs) I did grow up, I grew up in the Methodist Church, you know, went every Sunday. We we ran off the road in an ice storm trying to get to church one morning. So <laughs> if that tells you how important it was to get to church. But my memories real early, uh, the, the best times at church were when I was maybe a toddler or, you know, preschool age, and we would go to these Wednesday night gatherings. They wouldn't use the hymnal all the time, or they would use an old one. But maybe someone would start a song. And some of those songs weren't in the hymnals anymore. Things like I'll Fly Away, that's where I learned it. Oh. You know, and so some of those songs I remember from those early, early days. So yes, it had a huge influence on me. You think about those songs, I mean, like I'll Fly Away, I mean, they're so singable and so fun to sing and so open to harmonies. And the whole physical event of singing, I mean, and joining your voice with other people, it's just a wonderful experience, especially singing harmonies. Sparky, you know, grew up the same way, and sometimes we talk about the civil rights movement because he got his start in folk music and the civil rights movement. 
and how important music was, you know, when people were trying to, were going out there and facing the Ku Klux Klan, the Nazi party, going out marching. It's the glue that holds people together and gives them the courage to go out there and face all those things. So the next song that I was wanting you to play has a chorus that actually comes from the Underground Railroad, and it's an old camp meeting song. Camp meetings started in Kentucky in Logan County around 1800 in the Presbyterian Church. Now imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) Presbyterians camping, you know, that makes me think of RVs and sending out for sushi and (laughs) all sorts (laughs) of But anyway, they had this great speaker that drew people from miles around, and they went outside on the grounds because they didn't have enough space inside. The Baptists followed suit, and then the Methodists, and the Methodists are kind of known for camp meetings now because they have kept up the tradition so long, because they're still going on. But they'd have a battery of preachers. That it sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then people would camp on the grounds, and there were a lot of whites at these camp meetings, but there were blacks also that came. And the white people brought their hymns, you know, the four verses and the amen at the end, or amen, they, they always say. <laughs> <laughs> and then the African Americans would bring their spirituals, things like Wade in the Water or Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho, and the whites had never heard of those spirituals. So there was a lot of musical exchange happening at these things. They sang with one another. The African Americans would add choruses because none of those things had choruses, none of those hymns. They, they'd add syncopation, call and response. So the verses for this next song were written by an English Baptist minister named Samuel Stennett. But the reason we know that the chorus is an old Underground Railroad song is because of the code words. You know, they couldn't sing a song just saying, we're going to escape tomorrow. So they had to say things in code. So Canaan Land meant Canada, you know, because Canada was safer than the U.S. because of the fugitive slave law. And Promised Land meant freedom. So this song is called Bound for the Promised Land. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I'm bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who Come and go with me, I am bound for the promised land. They're generous fruits that cannot fail on trees, immortal grow. They're rocks and hills and brooks and vales with milk and honey flow. Bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. 
chilling wind nor poisonous breath can reach that healthful shore and sickness sorrow pain and death are felt and fear no more I'm bound for the promised land I'm bound for the promised land Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land I am bound for the promised land I am bound for the promised land Oh, who will come and Sparky and Rhonda Rucker's recording, Mountains Above and Valleys Below, that's bound for the promised land. Some beautiful spirituals, gospel. It's, fortunately, those things have not been lost. I think right. we're all richer for them. I mean, you mentioned, Rhonda, I'll Fly Away. That's in the Rise Up Singing songbook, and we have a monthly song circle here, and that's one of the favorites that we all love to do. And those songs which have carried over time, which are so singable, so wonderful. And that's what folk music is about. Although it is pretty wonderful to get really talented people like you and Sparky up there in front and let you belt it out and show us how it could be done. Oh, but I I always love for people to sing along. That is what it's all about. Yeah, we spend most of our concert a lot of times trying to get people comfortable enough to sing along. (laughs) Well, three seconds in, you'll have me coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's a good thing. But in the interest of making sure we get in as much music by Sparky and Rhonda Rucker, I'm going to ask you, Rhonda, to do a quick turnaround and give us another song. All right. Well, this is one I wrote. It was inspired by my mother. I grew up watching her taking care of her mother, who was housebound and not in very good health, and just saw her constant devotion. I mean, she gave her best years to that. And after having a child of my own, I learned firsthand what it meant to sacrifice. And I guess sometimes the word sacrifice has a negative meaning. You know, people think you give something and don't get anything in return, but I'm not sure that that's even possible because it seems that when you give something, you'll always get something. It might not be something tangible that you can count with numbers, but you always get something out of it. If nothing else, it feeds your soul. And so this next song is called Circle of Love. Let it feed your soul. Written by Rhonda Rucker, performed by Sparky and Rhonda. It's three o'clock in the morning And she's crying to be fed Then I rock her for a little Sir. 
gonna stay right by her side It's the circle of love We can depend on the circle of love It never ends Now we've been through some hard times And we sometimes disagree via Sparky and Rhonda's website. It's called sparkyandrhonda.com. It's on their recording, Let Freedom Ring. It's written by Rhonda. And yes, I have that same experience, Rhonda. I had never, before my son was born, about two weeks in, I remember standing over him with tears running down my eyes because I had such joy knowing that for the first time in my life, there was absolutely zero doubt but that I would die for this person. Right. Calling that deep thing out of my soul was so powerful. I'm glad you captured it in that song, Circle of Love. And you have a son, did you say? Is that what I heard? Yeah, yeah, we sure do. Yeah, we've got a son. He's 24 years old. And, you know, we, we homeschooled him because we traveled. So we homeschooled him from fifth grade on up. It was a new experience for him going off and living on his own and not seeing us. Well, clock's almost out here, so I've got time for one more song. What would you like to finish your song of the soul with? Well, I've been writing some young adult novels, and I've I've been trying to find an agent to represent me for those. But one of them is set against the backdrop of the Birmingham Children's Crusade in 1963. Birmingham, of course, was one of the most segregated cities in those days, or the most, really. And there were so many Klan bombings that people called it Bombingham. And the more I've read from the newspapers at the time and the more I realized how awful things were, and I also talked to my brother-in-law who, who actually marched with the kids, but things were just horrendous in that city. But through that crusade, the march, the Birmingham Children's March, the teenagers forced change to happen when the American public saw those police dogs and the fire hoses turned on those kids, it was just a turning point in the movement, and those kids transformed public opinion. I mean, they energized the movement. And I think that's a powerful message for kids and everybody. I mean, it tells you that when people band together, they can make a difference. And it also tells you you're never too young to make a difference. And I remember some of the civil rights movement. I heard it on the evening news. I saw things happening in my own hometown. 
But now I've lived long enough to see that change has happened. I mean, there's still backward steps, you know, all the time. And it can discourage you if you let it. But I have to remind myself that, you know, it's true what King said and what's in the Bible, that the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And I mentioned earlier that Sparky got his start singing folk music during the Civil Rights Movement. And one of the things he points out to people that I just love is how hopeful some of these songs are that people sang. One of them is called Welcome Table. You know, we're going to sit at the welcome table one of these days. I mean, when people have that kind of hope or that kind of optimism, you cannot defeat them. These songs were so important during the Civil Rights Movement when people were marching and scared to death, but they did it anyway. And this last song kind of captures that. It's called Hold On. It was an old spiritual that used to say, keep your hands on the plow, hold on. But during the movement, they changed it to keep your eyes on the prize, hold on. So we're going to finish off Rhonda Rucker's Song of the Soul with Hold On. Sparkyandrhonda.com is the website. We want to find them. If you can't spell that kind of thing, northernspiritradio.org should be easy. I want to thank Andrew Jansen for production assistance on today's broadcast. Great music, really, Rhonda. Educational, inspirational, a balm for the soul. That's Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. We'll see you all next week. Song of the Soul. Here it is. Hold On by Sparky and Rhonda Rucker. Paul and Silas, they were bound in jail. Had no money for to go their bail. Keep your eyes on the prize.
and sisters walking hand in hand. Your eyes on the prize will Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Sing out a song of the soul